Hard ticket to Hawaii. It has it all. The awesome, pristine beauty of the land. The warm caress of perfect beaches. The tantalizing wetness of the Blue Pacific. Hawaii. It's a great place to visit. But you wouldn't want to die there. America's finest ready and willing to pay the price for paradise. They're undercover, but not under-equipped. On this mission, there's hard flying, hard playing, hard fighting. Agents are everywhere. ticket to Hawaii. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Aloha. Aloha. Movies that made us gay listeners. <laughs> Aloha from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. We're actually here. Well, we're not here. We're almost there. We're almost there. This is our very special Hawaiian episode. Pete, you know like how certain sitcoms or TV shows make a trip to Hawaii like to get ratings? Pains? Like Growing Pains, Mama's Family, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Well, that's that's movies that made us gay this week. All right. Well, listeners, my name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these are, are the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Yes, we had to have one of, of our very special guests on. Yes. Millie DeCherico. <laughs> Millie, welcome One of my back. favorite people to have on the show from the I Saw What You Did pod. Yeah. Cult movie expert, mm. Millie. And we had you on today. Yes. To yes. watch Hard Ticket to Hawaii, directed by Andy Sedaris. The first time that I think one of our movies does not have a release date. It was released March of 1987. <laughs> Just the any day in March. Really speaks to the quality of filmmaking of Andy Sedaris's Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Just March of 87. Yeah. That's hilarious. I actually never realized that. So... <laughs> It, it's just the this is the, the pinnacle of a direct to v- VHS movie, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think this is just the the dictionary definition of a of a direct to video release, right? Oh my god, absolutely! Had had you seen any other Andy Sedaris films before this one? So I, I think, think this, this was our, our introduction. Yeah, I mean, same. years ago. How did this get made? Did this movie? And I remember listening to it at work and just being like, "What the fuck is this movie?" Mm. <laughs> that I need to track it down. And it was right before the new Blu-ray release of it, where it was a little hard to find, but not really because you could find entire you could find the entire movie on YouTube, essentially, yeah, yeah. boobs and all. And I know <laughs> that this is kind of a deep poll that I would be curious to see of how many listeners are familiar with, right. just because this is very specific cult B-movie cinema of the 80s, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had not... I don't know. I don't remember when I first saw this. It was definitely as an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. Although, 
I was kind of a kid that would wander over to like the late night fair of all of the premium cable channels and stuff when I was growing up. Like, so I, it's conceivable that maybe I had actually seen bits and pieces of this movie, but had no idea what it was. You know what I mean? Um, but this was my first introduction to him for sure. And then I saw Malibu express like right after, but yeah, I, I had only seen this movie in the last like 20 years of my life. So mm-hmm. yeah, same, same with us. And, um, current, like Scott said, it's a, it's a little harder to find currently. It is streaming on Tubi, Scott or Pluto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tubi. It's free on Tubi with ads. Now I, some Tubi movies do, Go all out and show everything. But, Scott, you said this was a little censored. No. The the full version on YouTube was censored. Oh, YouTube was YouTube censored. was censored. They took down okay. the long cut that we had originally watched of it mm-hmm. with all of the nudity. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Tubi version, it's all there. Yes. I can confirm that because I saw it on Tubi. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> Just, great. you know, in the past, like, couple days, so. Okay. So the uh, the... Our favorite scene, the hot tub scene. That's that's oh well, <laughs> well all it's full glory. We'll talk a lot about that later. But yeah, so these movies are done by this man named Andy Sidaris. Mm-hmm. B movie treasure. That Andy Sidaris has a really interesting story because he is from here, hold on, let me bring up my notes here. Andy Sidaris, uh didn't you say he came from like sports television? Yeah, he came from sport. He came from directing live sporting events and basketball, and pioneered just sort of how you photograph and direct live live television for like sportings. And it got him an Emmy for when he did one of the summer or winter Olympics. I'm not sure which one. And he's kind of known that he pioneered what known what's known as the honey shot, the close ups of cheerleaders and pretty girls. On the on the sporting events stands. Yeah, he was uh, yep. the the Russ Meyer of sporting events, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, lo- I love that. But hey, you know what? If there wasn't people like uh, Andy Sedaris pioneering the honey shot in the crowd, we would not have one Miss Pamela Anderson no. because that's exactly how her career got started. Right. Just wearing a beer t shirt to a professional sporting event, and the people just saying, "Hey." Focus on her. Like, <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. So, so I mean. Well, and, like, it made, it made me think, too, that's probably why there is that, like, weird sportscaster storyline that shooed. Yes. That, like, is shoehorned in in uh, oh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Because I was like, <laughs> why is there an extended conversation about sports and being a broadcaster and then I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot. Cause that's where Andy Sedaris got to start. That's so. like, yeah. Yeah. And then he went on to do direct to video movies and his canon of movies is there's kind of two names to them. There's bullets, bombs and babes or bullets, bombs and boobs. The BBB, <laughs> the BBB <laughs> movies. And he made them from oh, 1985 man. to roughly kind of 1998. And a lot of them take place in Hawaii. Where in Hawaii, Scott? On the island of Molokai, where we will be going to. Wow. Molokai Cargo. Yes. Yes. My (laughs) parents have been going to Molokai ever since I was a kid. I think that I first went to Molokai when I was about 10 years old. And then uh, within the past few years, they just bought the condo unit that we used to go to. And like the, the 
place where you can buy these cool old condos from like the 70s and 80s. And Andy would shoot all of his movies around this resort. And it kind of tripped me out of the first time that we watched this movie that when they were walking around the property, and I believe that it was the Sheridan Hotels that they would have this beachside resort. It was a country club. It was a country club. But, Full golf course. Yeah. And uh, there were some that but are it was specifically more, operated from, from Sheridan Hotel. There are some so. that are more yeah. hotel room-like, and then there's a section over, and that's where we're staying, where it's full-on, full-use condos, full kitchens. And all so, are, so you're saying that this was – so you went to – you are going to the resort that this was movie was at filmed the time. in. At the yep. time. So, and you used to go there as a kid, too. Yep. Yes. Get yep. so out when they're of walking here. Around. That is wild. And swam, in, and swam yeah. at the pool and ate at Edie's restaurant. Yep. Edie's restaurant. I remember going to as a kid. <laughs> Wait. Yep. Edie's is real? Are you telling me that Edie's is real? I mean, I don't think it's that it's called it's, nice. <laughs> it's not named Edie's, but that was a restaurant. But that with, was the restaurant. The Sheridan yeah, Hotel. That was the restaurant. And I mean, the story of tourism in Molokai is really interesting <laughs> because this was at a time where there was sort of a boom with tourism there on the island, and it all s- sort of bottomed out in the late 90s. The resort is still there. Yeah. It's just private condos now that they, they sort of flipped all of the hotel to, rooms. I think they tried to capitalize on this on this golfing uh, feature this golfing country club on the the uh, it's the west coast of the island. It's the dry side of the island, mm-hmm. and so this it's this sprawling golf course. But I think just because there's not really much else there as far as tourism, it just became too cost prohibitive for people yeah. to go back and forth. Yes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, the airport's really tiny. Like we're talking like Wings, the show Wings that was like <laughs> JFK yeah. compared, to, <laughs> compared to this airport. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, the golf course eventually, you know, bottomed out. That's gone. It went back to the earth. When you walk to the beach, yeah. you're walking through the golf course. So so there's like there's like sidewalks that just end and lead to nowhere and just like big swaths of like the 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 natural like you know nature has come and reclaimed this old golf wow. course so it's it's kind of dystopian when you're walking Edie's restaurant it. is abandoned oh. Edie's restaurant is completely like mm-hmm. we could we could go and like kind of find our way in and probably do some urban exploring but Wow. Also, we don't want to get arrested. So. Yeah. The pool's still working, though, because I think that just people in the in the condo unit still use it. And yeah. you see the pool in the movie, and I remember swimming in that as a kid. That my mom just, like, walked me over, and I went swimming there. There's a, there's a shot where – and, I mean, these movies, the plot is so, like – It's so convoluted. <laughs> Absolutely. Of just well, spy movie. It's, it's a convoluted plot, but there's also not really much going on at the same time. But – at any rate, oh, maybe I'm thinking of Picasso Trigger with the staircase. Yeah. And there's two guys you and, kind they, of sh- see, and well, they shoot. Well, you see it because they walk down that path. Yeah. A lot in these movies. There's like this long, yeah. straight staircase from Edie's restaurant to the beach. Oh, yeah. And that's still there. And like we can recreate getting shot by like, you know, mercenaries. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if there's the abandoned Edie's Jeep. Did you notice that they're you driving an Edie's uh, Jeep and that one scene, the fa- one of the f- most famous scenes in the film? I'm like, what happened to that Edie's Jeep? If it's covered <laughs> in moss and is like, yeah. you know, shipwrecked on the beach, you've got to take a picture and, and text. And text squib, me. like, mm-hmm. yeah, like bullets, whole squibs, like on the side <laughs> that are just. <laughs> All of those Jeeps have that really cool red interior that you would see a lot with. 
Jeeps and cars at this time, But I too. think it was vinyl, so it wouldn't have been very mm-hmm. comfortable. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of our, like, when... I've only been once to to the, the condo, and we're going this week, and... But when we're there, it's just like, holy shit, this is every, – every time we're watching Hard Ticket to Hawaii, we're like, I know yep. where that is. I, I know, know where that is. is. I know that beach. Mm-hmm. You know? that, I mean, I yeah, am and- so impressed by all that. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So now we can go and recreate the, you know, um, razor blade frisbee. <laughs> I, think I, I think we know where that, where that is. That's the long beach that that's, just cove, down, you know. that's just down the mm-hmm. – that's like, yeah, it, it's a section of really long sandy beach, and I think it's right yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll be fully recreating a shop. Who shop. who would you <laughs> call? Who would you like cosplay as? I guess is my. Question. Oh well, that's. I think that you have the more Donna energy about you, you. In, as in me. <laughs> I think that I'm the. Okay. I think that I'm the Taryn. Okay. I can say. So so yeah, we were going off of Donna and Taryn. So I so Donna Spear me. Yeah. And and Hope Marie Carlton <laughs> would be you, Scott. Okay, I mean these two ladies. First of all, Molokai Cargo. Yeah, but they're also, but they're also spies. <laughs> okay, so so I caught this from what? I caught this from one of our viewings that Donna works for the the DEA, some government agency. Well, the Drug Enforcement, the Drug Enforcement. Yeah. but then Taryn is a. She's in the witness protection program because she ratted out the mob in Vegas. Oh, for crying out loud. And she's living on Molokai <laughs> with Donna. I did Just I have not caught of... that information in mm-hmm. any of no. the viewings that I've ever had in this movie. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I did notice that at the very end, Donna says something about being a civilian. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. I or, do again, remember that. Maybe I'm or maybe I'm conflating no, it with Pop Picasso Trigger. That was Taryn. That was Taryn. Because she, Donna, because she, keeps, Taryn, right, she yeah. keeps the diamonds at the end. But there's a line of dialogue that Taryn testified against the mob and is in witness oh protection with Donna working for Molokai oh Cargo. Oh okay, so there, I – okay. Definitely didn't know that about Taryn's character, which yeah. – how, how could I not? I, I did – I did remember that Donna's dad was also an agent, so she's it's like in yes. the family or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Legacy. <laughs> think that her dad was a detective, I think she mentioned. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, I think before we get too far into the plot, we do have to mention that Hard to Get to Hawaii is in the middle of a trilogy. Yeah. It's kind a whole of? cinematic universe. Yeah, so it goes Malibu Express, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and then Picasso, Picasso Trigger. Trigger. And then Savage Beach oh, is also own. thrown in there, too. A, qu- a quadrilogy? Mm-hmm. Or are they all just related? I think that they're all semi-connected okay. in its own cinematic universe. And there is a direct reference to Malibu Express in this movie because there is a poster hanging in Donna and Taryn's <laughs> apartment or house. So the, mm-hmm. pre- the, the, pre- the events of the previous movie, let's say in-universe, have been turned into a movie? Because she's got a movie oh, poster maybe. of it in, in, in her bedroom. My, my biggest problem is that the movie... Is that the poster for Hard Ticket to Hawaii? It's Rowdy is like the main guy on the cover. Yeah, Ron Moss. Of, of the poster, Ron Moss. And it's like, he's great, love him. But I mean, this is really uh, a Donna and Taryn joint, right? That's why we're here. Yeah, I, I always find that interesting too because there, it's just that like kind of Rambo esque looking like mm-hmm. drawing and he's got his like hand up like that. And I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If if it doesn't really telegraph 
what this movie is actually about, which is just yeah. like Playboy models uh, posing as you know, spies yes. and cargo plane drivers and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, I, I, did you know that Ron Moss was in a band? Oh, no, I, I don't think so. So he was in this band called Player. And they were around okay. in like the 70s and maybe the 80s. They had a song called Baby Come Back that is like a popular kind of yacht rock song. Oh, yeah. Is it that? Baby the, Come Back? Yes. Come back? That's it? Sure. Okay. Yes. So he was in Player. <laughs> and that blows my mind every time I think about him because I'm just like, wow. he was uh, yeah. a soft rock god. And then he kind of turned into an actor. And then he was in like... Um, is it the bold and yeah. the beautiful? Is that the soaps, the yeah. soap? Yeah, mm-hmm. which I never watched yeah, CBS soaps, so I uh, no, I didn't know. But. Same, same. We're not we're not CBS uh, soaps in this in this house. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is the show, Bold and the Beautiful, that Denise Richards did go on to uh, to act on during COVID when they had to like kiss mannequins and stuff. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, <laughs> they were one of the first big productions to to start filming again. They fully would like kiss mannequins or like guys in like green outfits. And then, oh, and then Denise Richards would get her like weird culty kind of husband to come and make out with him and only get, he would only be shot from behind. And then he would kind of be like standing in for the other actors because this is all like social distancing. It wasn't, that um, wasn't the soap that did the exorcism. No, that was Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Marlena, Marlena was possessed uh, on on Days of Our Lives. Oh yes. my God. But I love I love Ron Moss being like soap opera kind of adjacent. Well, not adjacent soap opera acting, yeah. and then kind of joining or kind of being in a um, an '80s soft rock band that's very like of the time. That's very like Michael Damien. Yes. Or, yes. You know, like Michael Damien went on to do a lot of like. Uh, um, acting and also like what kind of I don't did he have any hits Michael Day? Rock he on had he had rock on wasn't that rock him? on yeah yeah that was him which I, I that fame? was like I was a kid when that song came out and I was like yeah. this is the best song I've ever heard in my life and then I didn't realize it was a cover basically right so. right right <laughs> and Michael Damien also did the like I think they only used it once or twice but he did the alternate recording of the Saved by the Bell theme song. Sure. <gasps> which which you get sometimes on the episodes. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Y'all are like blowing my mind. <laughs> We've only been recording only for like, like 20 minutes and already I'm like my mouth's like, been open half the time. I know. I love it. It's only like a handful of episodes but there's sometimes this theme song starts and you're like what is this shit? And it's fully Michael Damien. <gasps> like yeah. Wow. So why did that happen? Do you know? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that we don't know. And I don't even know if, like, are they specifically on the Tory episodes? I don't know. Ooh. No, I, I think, think it's so. all over the place. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'll have to check the IMDb trivia on wow. that. But yeah, that's, but that's a very, like, 80s kind of a thing of, like, actors trying, or, like, branching out. I think Michael Damon was more of a musician that acted. Yes. But, you know, I like, I like the, like, the Bruce Willis of it all, just like yeah. having you know having a side project that's your band because you're a cool. Yeah, guy. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I also appreciate Ron Moss being in this film because it gives a little bit of haughty equity, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, sure, right, because right, right. most of the other guys in the film are like kind of gnarly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, there's a like absolutely. the guy with the ponytail. I guess his friend, yeah, um, is is another kind Jade. of uh, haughty. <laughs> 
Um, but you know, there are a lot of obviously like the the drug lords and the you know the dude mm-hmm. the dude in the freaking cafe that cannot stop you know basically making horrible jokes to people but like all those guys are like gross guys so it's like it's nice that like ron moss is there to kind of balance the scales Mm -hmm. a little bit and you know because he's hot he's tall he's tan yeah you know oh yeah that beautiful jawline jawline hair it's great so yeah also i love you're right though the henchmen are crazy looking because there's the the main like drug guy who the guy who gets shot in the face (laughs) (laughs) In the beginning of the movie and just has a bandage the rest of the time. Um, He's crazy, but like, like there's the, there's the one henchman who also does like very early eighties skateboarding stunts. Yes. Like the handstands and stuff that nobody does anymore. The skate scene (laughs) with the blow up doll. Yeah. I can't. Why is there a blow up doll? It's crazy. Yeah. But like that guy, he's like, okay, he's he's riding a skateboard and he's not cool and he's got like the '80s like skater floppy hair, but he just also has like a huge bushy mustache. Yes, so it just kind of throws off his whole look. It's kind of insane. But yeah, you're right. I think um, Ron Moss is rowdy. I mean, come <laughs> on, rowdy Abilene, and then his his uh, his cohort Harold Diamond as Jade. <gasps> With this glorious long braid, this ponytail, this long, this long hair. What is this guy's story? Is he seems like he'd be like a kickboxer or something? I, don't I was going to say, I I think clearly there's a lot of martial arts in that background because he was very much like, I'm going to do karate, and mm-hmm. you and it is going to be part of my character, and there's going to be karate everywhere, which. I know that was a big thing with Andy and his wife was that they would just write in talents or just like athletic traits of their actors and just these roles. Okay. Of that if you were good with nunchucks, there was uh, the woman that introduces all those movies from the previous movies Mm -hmm. that she really liked to headbutt people. And they would – okay. So, Millie, have you seen the intros with Andy Sedaris? That are on the DVD. That are on the DVD. You know, I felt like I saw one of them once, but I I haven't for the others, the other films, so. Okay. All right. We got to talk about this. (laughs) Um, When you you have the the Blu-rays or the DVDs, there's uh, special features and there's introduction – by Andy Sedaris. With um, Julie Strain, and she was the penthouse model that did a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, Julie, Julie Strain is 6'1". She has jet black hair, piles and piles of jet black curly hair. And she's doing the intro like on a stool next to Andy. And she's just fully wearing... Um, like a bathing suit, but like a very skimpy, like eighties, like French cut, very high on the hip, yes. like bathing suit, right? Okay. And so they'll kind of start off with like a little bit, and he'll be like, "Oh, like Julie, like we've been waiting for you." You know, the the intro's got to start, and she's just like, "Oh, Andy, like oh, I was I was coming, but I couldn't get my bathing suit on right, and it kept <laughs> doing this, and just pull and just pulls her boobs out." <laughs> And just like, and the bathing suit wouldn't fit, and it's too small. And she just like, boom, boob out. Wow. And he's and, but then Andy kind of demures, and he's kind of like, okay, all right, and then goes into it, 
And, but he's not like, hey, hubba hubba. He's just kind of like, all right, okay, all right. We have let, to do this intro. We, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Yes, it's, they're. They're insane. Like, everyone's on drugs or maybe just her. They made them for the – I believe that they made them in the early 2000s for the first DVD set. Yeah. yeah. And his wife, like, Arlene, is in the background. Yes. Yeah, like, she's watching over all yeah. this because yeah. I know that Arlene was very hands-on uh-huh. with the making of his movies, which – oh, I was going to say, which I think that you get just sort of the cool feminist themes yes. of, like, Donna and Taryn is that they're kind of badass characters. And I think that a lot of that – Probably comes from Arlene. Yeah. I So we did a screening of this when I was at TCM, you know, and it was um, mm-hmm. this uh, sort of like a Atlanta event where we did an intro and we had a, a con- like a costume contest and all this stuff. And some guy made like a homemade bazooka out of like um, – it was like, <laughs> like a Nerf thing. It was really funny. But um, for it, you know, basically Arlene, you know, I interviewed her. Um, as part of the, I mean, she didn't appear on camera, but it was kind of awkward because it was basically like, I did an interview with Arlene Sedaris and I'll just tell you about it because we don't have it <laughs> sure. on camera. We can cut to the clip of her talking or anything. But um, she actually gave me a copy. You know, there's the book that he, like the, there's a book. Mm-hmm. It's like Babes. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Bombs, yeah. Babes, whatever. Um but yeah, she was very like, you know, she was in there and she was very involved in his business and um, she kind of like looked after the, the girls in the films okay. and made sure everybody was, you know, feeling okay and didn't feel like too naked or whatever. Like they were, she was yeah, kind of yeah. like a intimacy coordinator, I guess, for, for lack of... I mean, it didn't yeah. exist back then, yeah. I think, maybe. But um, right. she was kind of playing that role. And, you know, she's got, like, a really good attitude towards, the, you know, the idea that, you know, her husband was, was was kind of making movies with a lot of, like, playboy models and that kind of stuff. Although I have heard, like... I don't, actually, I don't know if you want to edit this out. You can. But I've heard that she's kind of, like... <laughs> a Trumpian, uh, <laughs> she's kind of in that. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yes. Which, you know, kind of complicates matters a little bit, but I, I agree that sh- I think she was not like only necessary, uh, for a lot of this, but also did give it kind of a feminist, uh, bent, you know, cause in that same kind of Russ Meyer type of way too, it's like, you know, you could easily have these women just having their tops off, but they're all, they're also a part of the action. They're, Sh- yeah. You know, yeah. shooting guns and they're rolling around getting in fights and flying airplanes. I mean, come on. I mean, it's kind of like they're doing yeah. all this, th- all the stuff that, you know, it, they're not just a pretty face type of thing, I guess. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Especially with Donna and, um, and Taryn in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in one of the other special features that we were watching, they were shooting, uh, one of the later movies, one of the nineties movies. Yeah. And it was with the the woman that did the intro. And, you know, uh, Andy's there and he's just like, you know, these girls, he's like, they're great actresses. And it's funny because he's saying, and like I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, he's kind of saying like, this isn't Shakespeare in the Park. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we know what, we, we know what this, this is. Right. But, yeah. for, but for what we're doing, they're doing a great job. And they're all in and they're excited and they want to be here and yeah. you know and 
and they're pulling it off and and it's great and i don't know i think it's 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 great that kind of they understand like they know what they're doing it's not like they're like this is going to be amazing and we're and we're going to be up there with beverly hills cop and commando yeah. like I, they kind of understand that this is late night you know yeah direct to video and and to that point exactly like in this last rewatch that i did i was kind of like they're actually kind of good for what this is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Taryn and Donna, <laughs> yeah. I think Donna especially has chops. I feel like Taryn oh, yeah. is good enough to like feel like she's having fun and she's like, she's got a few jokes, you know? And like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, this could easily be, I mean, think about it. It's like, if you watch a movie like Bloodsport or something like that, where like nobody <laughs> can act and everybody's just like a, 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 a martial artist and you know it's kind of in that vein but actually they're better a slightly better than even that so i i don't know i was actually like kind of on their side in this viewing it wasn't all like oh they're terrible they're like they can't even get through a scene i was like they actually can act a little bit considering yeah yeah no absolutely and you know there's something about the very early on in the movie and i kind of think that this is supposed to be the catalyst of everything that else goes on. But very early on in the movie, there's these two Hawaiian, um, I think they're drug enforcement agents. I forget what the boat says when they pull up and to the shore. It's the Molokai enforcement yeah, or something. And yeah. they're killed by, you know, the henchmen. Mm-hmm. That scene always like shocks me whenever and I watch it. I was going to say, <laughs> and like, there's just something about these two, like, just Hawaiian dudes that are just like, we're here, we're doing our job, and they just get blown away. And you're like, oh, we don't know these guys from anything. They're not leads. They're not like, they don't even really say much. But I don't know. There's something about the way it, this movie's made that you're like, you kind of feel bad for these guys. Well, and one and of them is about to retire. Like, well, holy yes. shit. <laughs> well, Ron Moss j- just said these are for the two uh, Molokai. Molokai yeah. officers when, when he, he takes out the guy with the frisbee with the with yep. the razor frisbee yeah so I think I think it's kind of what's what's setting it what's setting the wheels in motion for the entire movie, um, that we watched Picasso Trigger right after this. Oh, really? Picasso <laughs> Trigger is kind of like the Jason Bourne of the Andy Sidaris <laughs> movies because that one like globe hops like yeah. it goes from Vegas to Paris to Texas. To Hawaii, like yeah, it's the James it's Bond of, yeah, of all of these yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. But if you learn anything about Andy Sedaris in, in watching multiple of these movies in a row, uh, you discover that he really loves um, radio-controlled vehicles. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's <laughs> helicopters, planes, car. There's a lot of radio control, and these things. This is an expensive hobby because they're not. These are not kids' toys. Yeah. These are like full on hard to operate. Yeah, especially for that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just thought that was a funny little bit that I was like, oh my god, there's a damn radio controlled vehicle in every movie. That's so fascinating. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, some, something about the way that he shoots them, it's like they're crazy. They're all over the place, but you do kind of fall for these characters. And I will never not be tickled when. Donna and Taryn find the diamonds from the little remote control plane <laughs> yeah. and they go back to their little uh, 
their little house on Molokai. We need to find where that is. We gotta find oh, the we house. Got, we gotta yeah. find that house on yeah. Molokai. Yes. Yeah. I know that we can find it. But when Donna says, "I do my best thinking in the hot tub," oh, yeah. I mean, come on, who doesn't? I think who I die doesn't? every single time. <laughs> I know she knows. Do you do your best thinking in the hot tub? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely love a hot tub. I don't know if I think <laughs> I think a lot in there, but it is that moment too where <laughs> it's the hot tub scene that really makes you remember that they're pretty much shooting all of these women at like chest height, you know? Yes. So it's yeah. like, it's so funny. Cause in that scene, they're like, they're in the hot tub and they're, they're pulling out the bag of whatever it is. And the diamonds come out. And then like Taryn has to stand up slightly so that her boobs are in the frame almost. Oh, yeah. well, so, so it's almost like we got to get two pairs of boobs and a thing of diamonds in this shot. So Taryn, can you just like <laughs> gently rise out of the hot tub? And I just laugh at that all, every time. I'm like, this is so fucking funny. In the still, in the still water in this hot tub too. Yeah. As you're just holding these white diamonds. Oh uh, don't yeah. gr- it's like girl don't, don't drop don't them. drop any. don't drop any of them. oh yeah um, i was really afraid they were gonna drop them in the hot tub i'm like you gotta go fish those out girls like yeah. they're worth the fortune <laughs> yeah yeah so okay what what andy sedaris does not do well is i would say maybe it's not exposition it's not quite world building but there's something about these movies too when i'm watching them and i'm just like now who's that? Sure. Yeah. Who's this person? Just sort of just sort of how they're plotted. Who are you? Yeah. You're just kind of thrown <laughs> yeah. right into it. Like uh Edie kind of I feel like comes a little bit out of nowhere and her kidnapping and now and now we're following her. But I will say the very first time we were watching this movie I'm like I'm thinking to myself that is a man, Maury. That one behind <laughs> the bar. <laughs> What's up with that one? I was like, <laughs> there, and it happened, and I feel like, Scott, you were gagged, and I was like, oh, I had, I knew. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I have to admit this now. I was totally fooled the first time I saw this movie. Right? Like, I didn't know. And I was like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm Southern, and I was like, this is the 80s, and everybody's wearing a lot of makeup and shoulder pads and yeah, shit. And I'm like, and the hair, I don't know, yeah, it's, just yeah. a, it's just a sassy Southern bartender. Mm-hmm. So I, I was definitely fooled the first time I saw it. And then every subsequent screening, I'm like, oh, here it comes. Like, now now it's all very clear <laughs> to me. But at the, fir- the first yes, time, yes. I have to admit, no, I did not know. Yeah, So yeah. Um, no, I, but you're right, though. The The hair is very contemporary for the time the look all of that the makeup is it's it's a lot of makeup but at the same time like you said it it tracks with with you know with the the time period but um what it's so interesting what they do though because there i mean there's no rhyme or reason this character does not need to secretly be in drag (laughs) to be I mean, I guess they're kind of like a maybe a double agent or or just in disguise. Yeah. yeah, I guess. And rather than you know, this man is fully bald. Yeah. So he could just wear a, a men's wig. I'm trying or a to toupee. find. I'm trying to yeah. find the name of this. Of oh, this you can't actor. find him. Keep looking. We'll keep talking. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Rather than just giving him a toupee and and a and a stick on mustache, he says, "No, you know what, guys, I got this." <laughs> Full lady. Yeah. Well, there's also now I haven't seen this movie, but I feel like there was a movie like I think it's called Stacy that he did 
Which I also feel is like a, there's a poster of this movie in their sure um in their like little uh island hut or whatever they're in okay but i feel like there's i think there's like a drag character in that movie or something and there's a drag character in malibu express yeah so i'm kind of like huh well (laughs) is this like a recurring uh, a recurring much like the radio controlled airplanes right there has to be an air, a radio-controlled airplane, and there has to be somebody in drag? In drag. Okay. So this this role is played by Michael A. Andrews, and I don't know a lot about Michael A. Andrews. His filmography, he also did Malibu Express, and there's a character in Malibu Express that is a— uh, Is he the drag queen in Malibu he, Express? He's the drag okay. queen in Malibu Express. So okay. I think that Michael A. Andrews just did drag on the side, and Andrew and Andy, Andy just wrote it in the movies. Wow. Yeah. Of just like, you know what would be fun? Is that yeah. if we did this character in drag and it was revealed. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think of that? Like, do you think, I mean, clearly he didn't have to be in drag to serve the weird plot of Heart Ticket to yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. But did you feel like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> I did. I you think know, it's cool. I did, yeah, I think it's cool. Honestly. I'm kind of, and the other thing, too, is that for uh, what year's Heart Ticket to Hawaii? 87. 87. Okay. We just did... Our previous week's episode was Bachelor Party. Oh, yeah. Which has another drag character in it. Mm. And there is something about female impersonators in the 80s and drag queens in movies that um, the drag style now is very different, right? We're, we always talk about this. We always talk about being in a, a post-RuPaul's Drag Race world. Sure. And the drag scene and the female impersonator scene is very different. And now the standards are, are very different as far as, quote-unquote, realness and passing. Sure. And these are, all, these are all kind of, kind of problematic, you know, sayings. Yeah. Um, you know, realness and passing and all that. But it really is what a lot of contemporary drag is about. And in the 80s when you would see drag queens and in, in movies and television shows, unfortunately, a lot of times it was played for a laugh. Yeah. And a lot of times they looked a little bit more on the Priscilla Queen of the Desert side where they were very masculine looking. Sure, sure. But Michael A. Andrews in Hard to Get to Hawaii in 1987 – I mean, we all just sure. said it. That's mm-hmm. a woman. Like, we were like, that looks like a lady. Yeah. Like, yeah. We were. Oh, I, I, I just admitted to you, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Michael A. Andrews, I mean, kind of a drag icon. Scott's, Scott's I mean, I'm looking up, his, up his I'm looking yeah. up Michael A. Andrews, like, titles and awards. Miss Gay USA 1986. Yeah. Miss Gay America 1977. And first alternate to Miss Gay America 1976. So Work. kind of a big deal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so for you have to put that up to the camera so Millie can see that picture. That is a lady. Oh my goodness! I mean, that looks like Donna. <laughs> that looks like Donna. Look, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it does. Also, and, did an impersonation of Anne Margaret in. Uh, okay, I can see it. Specialized in Anne Margaret. Oh my God, too. I think that was just sort I can of see a it, big yeah. character. His, his celebrity mm-hmm. impersonation yep. that he would do. Wow. Yeah, and so yeah, so for a, a, a mid to later '80s drag queen to to look that beautiful and feminine in a movie and i mean okay 
okay, they're a villain. All right, that's fine. But it's like, that's just the character. They just, you know, they just need to be somebody in disguise. Yeah. I mean, you so can, yeah, I, I guess in a it's... way, I mean, you could have easily just had another weird skateboardy yeah. bad mustache yeah. guy, but instead they kind of went that direction, which I don't know. I was yeah. like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, again, I think a little like, I, you know, I don't know if he, you know, necessarily had the the best plot line in terms of having right. full agency or whatever. But I also yes, think yes, like, yes. I don't know. It's a choice. It's a choice they made. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. And, and the other choice that they made is to show not just taking off the wig. De-dragging. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Full Pond's cold cream. Yes. <laughs> taking it all off. Yes. Oh my gosh. Definitely. I was like, wow. Because, and and again, like it just was that moment. I think when I first saw it too, I was like, oh shit. I'm like, okay. And then it was kind of, it lasted like a couple seconds longer than I expected Mm -hmm. it would. And it was kind of like a peak. I was like, oh cool. They're kind of, you know, it's just kind of like goes on for a little bit longer than I thought it would. So. Well, we were talking about this when we were watching it, too, that, again, you know, because of Drag Race, we kind of take for granted the transformation, the male to female transformation and back, because we see it every week in the workroom. But in the early seasons of Drag Race, they would really linger on those moments backstage when they were getting into drag Mm -hmm. and they would interview them about it and they would ask them questions about it and what's your favorite part of the transformation and like how long does it take and it would be a big part of season one and that was like you know at a time when drag was not as prevalent as it is now because it is hella fascinating yeah agreed Mm -hmm. everything that goes into it just the way that they you know use their faces as canvas to like do this illusion and so yeah again in this movie at this time that is ostensibly made for like horny dudes at night exactly with cinematics yeah. exactly yep. you know <laughs> so it makes it kind of cool and subversive they gotta, yeah they yeah. gotta sit there and watch you know yeah, i mean yeah in that context it's almost a bit subver- subversive because you're just like yeah yes. it's like a bunch of teenage boys and now they're watching a yeah. drag queen you know kind of take her earrings yeah. off and her makeup and the pond, yeah. the ponds, and, you know, and it's this bald dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that's, that's what just kind of makes like Andy Sedaris is just this, like, I don't know. Is he an enigma? And the, and what's kind of <laughs> I, fun about, and what's fun, fun, and what's fun about Andy for our, for the purposes of movies that made us gay is that I do think Andy did kind of think we're going to put something for the guys, the hot ladies, yeah. mm-hmm. we're going to put something else for the ladies and probably the gay guys. Yeah. We're going to show these really hot men in, like, high-cut swim briefs. Yeah. Them, like, running around the beach. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah because Rowdy – because Ron Moss, when in, – in the, the razor blade frisbee scene, is fully just in, like, speedos yeah. right over the ocean. Yeah. And it's like, love it. Yeah. A plus, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> the guys, you know, even when Taryn has her, like, sex moment on the beach with that sportscaster guy, I mean, it's oh, like, yeah. you know, there's some, there, there's some bare chest. There's some, you know, Ron Moss for sure has, a, there's a little bit yeah. of objectification there. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because, and I don't know what you think of this, but it's like, I, you know, I grew up in, you know, as a child of the 80s, and I was... Yeah. I mean, in a weird way, kind of fascinated and obsessed with, like, 
those types of women, like these kind of over the top playboy model, like the David Lee Roth video type of ladies. (laughs) And in a weird way, that's kind of a drag, you know what I mean? In a, in a, in a sense, because it's so, the looks are so over the top. Right. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's seem that, you know, and say what you will about that sort of Andy Sedaris, like object, objectification of like women, you know, that kind of thing in the same way that they, you know, Russ Meyer gets talked about, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like there is this thing though, where these ladies are not, they're also, I don't know, kind of like a drag character. Like they're walking around yeah. in giant hair and like these like, you know, white boots and like these like yeah. crazy, like skimpy little tops and the matching and sheriff's the, outfits that are like booty yeah. shorts. You know? Yeah. Like, I was going to say the Malibu, the Malibu cargo um, uniform. Yeah. <laughs> the white, but the white scrunch boot and, you know, and the cutoff booty shorts, but also they're doing all this with acrylic nails. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think they have full manicures, both of them. Yes. And like, they've got these like tool belts on that have like, like weird little keys yeah. things and hanging up. And like in the hot tub scene is so funny. Like you're there in the hot tub and then you see like on a wicker chair in the background, there's like that tool belt, just like they slid yeah, it off. Yeah. But I mean, I guess, you know, to me, it feels, it does feel like these, these types of women, these like eighties kind of over the top sex sexualized but sexy kind of women are they don't seem to be they seem to be almost like drag adjacent versus absolutely you know oh, definitely yeah. like whomever like think of a modern i don't know natalie portman or something like that like that type you know like different yeah, looks yeah. you know so no you're no you're absolutely right everything that goes into looking the way they look with you know oh and donna's Sunglasses. Oh, we love Donna's glasses. <laughs> cool. They're really cool. Yeah. They're so cool. Is that the in but, the scene um, where they're filming the um they're filming the bad guy playing frisbee with that local and it's like the two yeah. of them are, are it's like a side profile shot of them and they look mm-hmm. incredible and she's like holding that like neon yellow ca- <laughs> uh, camcorder and I'm like, "Man, yes. these are good looks right here these two." You know, mm-hmm. that at that point in history, everything that Sony made was yellow. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was, but there was their sport line, yes. right? And so it was their Walkmans that were like waterproof and all yep. that. But a, a sport camcorder, I had never seen. Same. Yeah. That would have been really, that would have been really expensive. I had never seen the yellow yeah, camcorder. I, my, my mom had the sports disc man. Ooh. So the CD player with like the, the little head headphones and it was also yellow. Uh, and I don't yeah. know if it was like those were like a set or something, but yeah, I, I love that like sporty little camcorder, but like the sunglasses, yeah. the shorts, like the hats, it's amazing. So they wear some, uh, body glove neoprene zip up the front bathing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. One piece that of bathing scuba material. Suits. Oh my God. Yeah. The neoprene. And they'll, there'll be like black with, I think, um, Donna's are black with purple and uh, what's her name? The other one, Taryn. Taryn's are the the black with yellow, wow. which is like the the standard body glove like color color uh, colorway. Yeah. And I oh my god, I'm just like, why are people not wearing these today? Sure. They still look cool. Yeah. Like I mean, maybe aside from like the French cut, like all the way up your thigh. But yeah, 
Other, other than that, the, the zip up the front like bathing, one piece bathing suit. Oh, oh it's shit. great with the big ring. It's, it's just so like a big good. ring. Yeah. In the oh yeah, a huge <laughs> like key ring looking thing right in the front. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, their their looks are so good in 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 this. Uh, I think I think our favorite has to be the the khaki uniform. The, yeah, the, the white the Molokai cargo uniform is pretty fierce. Yeah, yeah. pretty good, pretty yeah, good. <laughs> I like the thing that they modified those uniforms. Like they got them and were just like, well, we're just going to make some like tweaking and adjustments. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they have to be. They're stylish, but they also have to be practical in the event that they have to pull a radioactive snake out of a cargo bay of a uh, of a plane, a biplane. <laughs> I was going to say we haven't discussed the radioactive snake yet. The deadly. Okay, so a snake that is infected with deadly deadly toxins from cancer infested rats. Cancer infested. I love it. <laughs> this snake puppet too is out of control. I love it so much. Whenever they cut to the close ups of that damn snake. Um, I have to ask you both about. So yes. at the, the very like this beginning, like the setup, like pretty much the entire first like twenty minutes of the movie is. Yeah really hits like it really hits you hard with the idea that the snakes have been switched and there's a mo so there's a moment where there's like two snakes one of them is a, was poisoned by cancer infested rats the other one's like a normal snake <laughs> right so then like so at one point they say there's no snakes on the island which i thought was also very weird because i'm like aren't you in hawaii i feel like there's snakes there but you know there's yeah. i don't think there's any snakes on hawaii oh <gasps> i uh, see i no, didn't actually I, know that i don't that. think so no wow okay. so there goes my there theory are, right there there are mongooses <laughs> on hawaii that are supposed to catch snakes which interesting you see all the time when you're uh driving around molokai but i believe that there are no snakes Did in they hawaii. wipe them all out wow that's kind of like no mosquitoes in LA type of thing. That's so interesting. I confirm this. Um, so okay, so forget that part. But I, that's actually news to me. But yeah. when you continue on this plot path, mm-hmm. there's this character who I'm assuming is like the foreman of the warehouse, um, right? And he is trying so hard because they take off with the wrong snake. And then he's trying so hard to get, kind of get in touch with them to be like, you got a snake. You got a cancer infected <laughs> rat snake, you know, and it just goes on. Like he's, he's kind of like too, too much in it. I have to say right. he's kind of a daddy though. I was like, wow. I don't know <laughs> sure. why. Not that I'm finding this guy like super hot, but I was like, you know, like for a, older foreman guy like he's he's kind of attractive older man but then like i said he just it's just kind of like too much about his like he's just like radioing the plane they're too busy like dropping off like a couple like bear grills style like they're gonna go and like (laughs) you know camp alone on a deserted island but like it just keeps cutting back to him and being like i need to get in touch with the department of health they've got a rabid snake and i was like this is too fucking funny like okay i i have an update on how common are snakes in hawaii Okay. okay there are some there are some uh thankfully the snakes that you find in hawaii aren't all that common or at least they're not 
commonly cited. The two most prevalent snake types in Hawaii are the are a briny, I think I'm pronouncing that right, blind snake, uh, known as an island blind snake, and a yellow-bellied sea snake. Okay. And um, I think that they're all invasive, too. So that means that they, they don't belong there, right? Right. Yeah, yeah so yeah, makes technically there should be no snakes in Hawaii, and they're not that common, but I think that when there are snakes that show up in Hawaii, it's probably the reasons that you see in this movie. <laughs> like can- cancer-riddled rat snakes. Cancer-riddled rat snakes that have been <laughs> accidentally shipped there on a cargo plane. Okay. You know what's crazy is that when we go to Molokai, we don't quite fly on a plane as small as this, but you still fly on a very a small aircraft. Ooh, no. The type of aircraft yeah. that when you're checking in, for a teeny little airport right next to the big airport. It's like you, a bus stop. You walk over. It's pretty much like a bus stop. And you got to love an airline where they ask you your weight. Ooh. Yeah. Because they have to sit accordingly. They spread you out. They spread you out. Yeah. Depending on how many people are on. Not to make you nervous yeah. at all. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is... Like, look, how many famous musicians have died by planes like this? There's no way. Absolutely. Like, yep. not, yeah, not, not absolutely. for me. Um, I remember a long time ago, um, I got the opportunity, like, so, like I was going to try to go to the Telluride Film Festival. And, you know, in Telluride, it's that kind of thing, too, where it, you have to fly into, like, Denver or something like that. And then you either can drive like eight hours to Telluride or take one of these tiny little planes. Uh. And I was like, I'm not going. I actually turned it down because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to get in one of these like little Lolita sure. planes. Like, fuck that shit. It's understandable. Oh, no. like, <laughs> and I grew up and I grew up going on like float planes too oh, in yeah, Alaska. So I feel like I'm kind of an old hat at oh, this. Good. But yeah, it's understandable. I saw that plane. Last understandable year. if it freaks you out. Yeah. I saw that plane last year, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, uh, we could have reached forward and tapped the pilot. Oh, yeah. That's like... Like, hi. Yeah, because that's the plane. It feels like that plane that's in Hard Ticket to Hawaii is like one of those planes where they just kind of like landed anywhere or whatever. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. So, and that feels like it's really like a a four-seater or something. Yeah, there's an in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, it looked like about a four seater. The one that we take, I think, is like nine or 12 seats. Okay. And get this maybe tr- the pilots. 12. The pilots are usually getting their pilot's license. They're getting ours. No, and they, they have their license. Yes. But they, they have a commercial license, but you have to have a certain amount of hours to get to like the real big yes. airlines. Yes. So they fly these little baby airlines to rack up their hours. So it's a lot of like young dudes. It's a bunch of 30-year-olds. Young young kids flying the planes with yeah. the older guys right next to them. And I remember when we were flying back to Maui the last time we went, uh, shit going off. Beeping. Beeping. Lots of, lots of beeping. And I think that the instructor just wanted them to physically shut it off, so he just kept it going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I hope you all take some Xanax before you get on that plane. Because, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> I be... a, couple, a couple of Xans. Yeah. That was, couple of that Zans. was wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we were so close. I could have just leaned forward and been like, wow. everything, everything all right up here. How long is the everything, flight? Everything going good? 30 minutes. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. 30 20, minutes tops. Okay. 25 minutes. Good, yeah. good, good. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Passes by the um, the biggest sea cliffs in the world, I believe. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the what's kind of cool about Molokai. The yeah. wet side of Molokai has the highest sea cliffs in the world, wow. and it's all green. It's the wet side, and there's like what 
waterfalls and valleys and just looks like fucking Jurassic Park. And the only way to get there is on a plane from Maui to Molokai. And so this is like a $200 like uh, excursion tour that you would buy from Maui just to do this. Yeah. And we're doing it to get there. To get there. So it's like we we get like a free little like sightseeing tour on our way. You get some beautiful views. You get some beautiful views of the old leper colony too. Which, I mean, there was reasons why, at the turn of the century, they dropped the lepers off on Molokai. Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease, excuse me. The more more PC term now of that it was just that fucking isolated. That they would drop them off in the ocean and just have them swim to shore. Yeah. That story is why. Yeah, because I heard... There was, there's the other one, maybe there's multiple ones. There's that one that's kind of, uh, is it near New Orleans or somewhere in Louisiana? And Mm. uh, there was a... I want to say there was some kind of like uh, podcast. I, I think maybe it was This American Life or something that did a, a, a story on like the last person that's living at there, and he had been there his whole life or something. Yeah. But like, if I had an option of going to yeah. the one in Louisiana or the one in Hawaii, right. yeah. yeah. Well, and now yeah, you and cool. now the only way for the public to for the public to access where that is is that you would have to walk down the mountain wow. or take like a burrow, but they closed it post COVID and they haven't opened it back up. Too. Wow. That's kind of like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's so kind of like, um, black narcissist or something. It's like this weird, like really? place where you yeah. just can't access yeah. it. It's like way out there type of thing. Absolutely. Wow. I think there's and a it's... road, but I don't, <coughs> I think it's very exclusive of who it's actually, a pri- it's a private road. It's a private road. But, I mean, yeah. you know, the thing is, it's like, it's a very dark history. Yeah. It's a very dark time in like history of Hawaii and the history of like the church and all this yeah. stuff and, and everything, just the country. Um, so it, it's sad. Like when you go and you go to, there's like lookouts that you can go and see it because it's this flat peninsula. And I think it's just, it's part of, when you talk about Molokai, you kind of have to talk about it. Yes, there was this, this leper colony there and we call it Hansen's disease now and all this stuff. Um, And so it is, it's fascinating to learn about. It's very sad. It's very dark. Um, It's all there on Wikipedia listeners, if you're interested in it. But um, yeah, so it's like we can't go down there anymore, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I don't know, I would feel weird just like poking around yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, look at this. Like, yeah. Like, and now I'm fine and yeah. going to go back to the condo. It's like I feel, I don't know, I feel kind of icky about that yeah. kind of stuff. So I'm like, maybe it's for the best that we just don't go yeah. there anymore. Yeah, So, but that's on the north side of the island because the island is, Molokai is like a rectangle. It's like like literally just a big yeah. rectangle like shape mm-hmm. right there, and the north side is all wet. the The west coast where we stay, that's the dry side, and it's pretty deserty. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so it gets up to like the mid eighties, which is kind of high for like typically when you go and stay in Hawaii, like in a resort part of you know an island, mm-hmm. Maui and Oahu and all that. It's usually in the like seventies. Yeah. But where we are, it gets up to the 80s because it's it's very dry and 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 desert-ish. Yeah. Maybe that's why they couldn't keep up that golf course because it is yeah. sure hella dry on that and, side. And it just goes back to the earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Swallow it. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
I guess maybe Andy just had property there or just bought into the into the country club. Mm-hmm. So he just said, hey, this is beautiful. It's still pretty isolated. Even, it looks like even at the time they were able to shoot on these beaches. Sure. And that's that prob- looked pretty empty. And that's probably why of just it being so rural even back when there was tourism in the 80s that yeah. it was probably just easier to film. Yeah. On yeah. Molokai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Less, um, less people to have to move around and – yeah, exactly. Yeah. Magnum PI style yeah. is just like full on families and stuff snorkeling mm-hmm. in the background. And this one they're just they're just sh- shooting anybody <laughs> anybody that's playing frisbee on the beach, you know, you're you're there for the wrong reasons, so you're going to get you're going to get a ninja star to the chest or <laughs> something. Yeah, I something. the funniest to me is just the like the guys that Come in because I guess the story is that like Ron Moss's character Rowdy and then Jade, <laughs> the other guy <laughs> Jade, mm-hmm. um, they are also agents. But then they have like they bring this like artillery with them, which is what why the bazooka launcher gets used so many times, right. Um, right. which is too damn funny. But um, that- then there's this just scenes of them like loading weapons. <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And I'm just like, this is hilarious. Like, it's hilarious that these two guys filled up, you know, a Jeep with, like, rocket launchers and bazookas yeah. and, like, you know, like yeah. all kinds of guns, razor blades and, you know, and yeah. they kind of have yeah. their, like, yeah, that's their full-on, like, action movie moment of them, like, locked and loaded, let's go! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you, like, if you were to compare this movie which is you know low lower end of the budget oh. <laughs> right to something that it was competing with right does this does this movie want to be commando right? or i mean the rambo movies the were rambo out this movies, time too right mm-hmm. and you watch those final shootouts in commando there's like i think arnold kills like 75 people <laughs> like in the end of <laughs> <laughs> and this final shootout, well, it's not even the final shootout because there are many final yeah, shootouts in this movie. Just yeah. right when you think it's over, there's like another <laughs> thing they forgot to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But in the in the sh- in the final shootout when they go to save Edie, there's like three dudes. <laughs> there's like the drag queen guy, there's like a karate guy. <laughs> oh, and that and one like woman, one the woman who's like ripped. Oh, sure. And she kind of looks yes. like she looks like she's an American gladiator. Yeah, I was going to say you that. Know, yeah. But she's like a, a martial arts expert. Mm-hmm. So extreme. So extreme. Her and her and the one guy do the – they – I forgot what they were doing, what kind of crime they were committing, but they had the, the whole – the old – The ninja the old mask. nylons over their – Yeah. <laughs> over mm-hmm. the face. But it was like you can clearly see all their features. Yeah. But um, yeah, that that one the one shootout when they go to save Edie was just like I I think they really just wanted that because there are so many weapons in this jeep. Yeah. <laughs> like why why do they need this bazooka <laughs> to shoot three people? <laughs> one of whom they take out with karate moves. Yeah. You know this is all hand to hand combat. They shoot. They they've... shoot a the blow up doll with the bazooka. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Which was that necessary? That, that is a plastic 
you're just you're just wasting your bazooka al- yeah. Uh, yeah. artillery ar- artillery on this blow up doll. It's like, how much is a bazooka bullet or whatever? I mean, it must be yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Thousands of dollars. I was yeah, I was just gonna say mm-hmm. that one bazooka bullet costs ten grand. I like I like that shot at the very Bullets. end of the movie. What are they called? At the very end of the movie where they go to the Bond villain office building yeah. mm. and Donna gets to pull out the bigger gun. I think yeah. that's so fucking yeah, rad. That's great. And you don't and you don't see shit like that and <laughs> stuff like Captain Marvel. Yes. You don't see like Captain Marvel get to like pull out a bigger gun than the other guys. Wait, I think they did do that gag in Captain Marvel. Oh, never mind. <laughs> It's feminist. It's feminist. Let's just say it. It's, yeah. It's like, I think it's like a ray gun or something. Yeah. Or maybe, I think they do that with her and Sam Jackson. We'll have to rewatch. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Rowdy's got his gun and then, and then Donna pulls out that fucking huge honker <laughs> of a handgun. I know. And then they do the like little Carol Burnett joke thing with each other or whatever. It's like so absurd. Yeah. Oh my God. So absurd. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this this movie has ten endings, which is cool. I mean, each well, and each each scene has like mm-hmm. there's okay, there's the Edie breakout. Okay, great. Yeah. Then they're like, oh shit, we forgot something. Then it's like the motorcycle breaks. Oh through. yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. We forgot. There's a snake subplot yeah, of this snake. movie there's that we kind of forgot about. The snake in the toilet bowl. But then it's like the guy with the shot in the face, and then. Like, he keeps he gets shot with a spear gun spear situation through the shoulder you think he's down for the count gets up again misery style yes he's not dead yet mm-hmm. and he wilkes fully gets up um like yeah they got they got to they got to get mr chang who's a white mr. guy from white the uk guy. yeah it's a lot of a lot of bad guys I gotta go through. But I like I like I his introduction. I like Chang. his his introduction by him of that. Oh, he's like he's half Japanese. He's half American. Chinese, half yeah. English. Like, I mean, it, I mean, you're expecting to see like Lucy Liu from Kill Bill, and it's just this white guy. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I guess we're doing this. But I, uh, it was really funny because yeah, it, it's one of those movies that it's like it ends like five times basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then, okay, maybe I dozed off or was thinking about something else. I I know I wasn't on my phone, but um, Taryn is not, at the end, teamed up with Jade. Taryn has, like, a separate boyfriend? Yes. The sportscaster guy, right? The sportscaster mm-hmm. guy, yeah. Okay. Where did he go? Like... Where did he go? Where did he come from and where did he go? He came out of nowhere, <laughs> left, and then came back. Because you kind of are thinking like, oh, okay, well, maybe she's just going to pair her up with with Jade. But no, it's the sportscaster guy that's with her at their, like, at their condo tiki hut mm-hmm. when um, when Donna and Ron Moss are doing it really loudly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was a little unclear pretty much every time I've seen this film as to what sex act was actually happening during this, because she was on her knees. I I definitely thought it was like, you know, she was uh, going down on him or whatnot, Mm -hmm. but it didn't seem like that was actually happening when he was having his, like his moments of ecstasy. So I was like, what is happening? And then she, they just start making out. 
when she's on her knees, she's like kind of in his <laughs> lap, but then they're just kissing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very confused about like what was actually happening. So no, who it's it's ambiguous, <laughs> and I think it's just for you know <laughs> the kids watching this on on Cinemax to just fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah, with their imagination. Yeah, I. Uh, that is one of the funniest things ever because. Like, and then the two, the two, like Taryn and Jade are in the other room and they're like, I'm going to turn the stereo up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we don't know what they're actually doing, by the way. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting though, because there are those, like those, you know, Skinamax movies that are soft core that fully have like pretty graphic sex scenes in yeah. them. And but, this one has this, but yeah. Like you, like we're saying, it's they're kind of cutting around everything. You know what it really mm-hmm. is? It's really just people making out. Yeah, mm-hmm. topless. That's yeah. kind of all it is. Yeah. Which is like you know, I mean, you know, I, I was like, there's a lot of it, obviously, but it's not like dirty, dirty, dirty. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there are some of them that are on like late yeah. night, and you're like, oh my goodness, this should not be on. Yeah premium cable yeah <laughs> but yeah but this one is just yeah they're 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 it's just they're just making yeah. out mm-hmm. making out with no with no shirts on <laughs> with no tops yeah. yeah 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 but yeah there there's uh what what is his name scott wolf oh G- sure wolf larson wolf oh that's larson the, yeah that's the that's the sportscaster guy yeah. that, i'm yeah. it says in his biography on wikipedia that he worked as a waiter at the chippendales nightclub <gasps> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's about yeah. Uh, Tracks, mm-hmm. oh, honestly. <laughs> yep. But uh yeah, like yeah, I like there's bimbo guys. You know, there's like hi- yes. there's himbos in this movie mm-hmm. for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, a, t- a ton of them. Yeah. And, and we're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean and, I mean Andy knew what he was doing. He's getting he's he's given something for everybody in this movie. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, like we said, the the plot is convoluted, yet at the same time, barely there. Uh, <laughs> but but I feel like you know when you put this on, we're not you know we're we're watching it for just they're, how fun it is. They're a good movie to have on just in the background when you have friends over. Yeah, I um, you're right about these movies kind of being. They're kind of good ambiance films if you're like in a weird bar. Because I remember one yeah, sure. one time many years ago when I was in L.A. I think I was still living in L.A. actually. Um, but the uh, TCM Film Festival was happening. And I remember a bunch of uh, TCM people loved going to Bordner's over in Hollywood, you know. Oh, and, oh yes. Yeah. Very familiar. And I remember like one night they were playing – I want to say it was Picasso Trigger or like one of the Andy Sedaris films, like just on the TVs and mm-hmm. everybody was just like enraptured. Like people were having drinks and then they would like look and be like, what the hell is this movie? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's an Andy Sedaris movie. And it kind of like brought everybody together. Like everybody was just sort of like entertained by, you yeah. know, this kind of shit. And it was like a perfect kind of thing to be like having a chat with your friends, having a drink, and then just like seeing something out of the corner of your eye. Yes. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it, those, his movies are really good for that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that just eighties aesthetic. There's just bright colors and yeah. big hair and crazy clothes yeah. and, and then, you know, crazy weapons and <laughs> yeah. 
Big boobs. <laughs> We're, uh, we go to Bordner's from time to time. It's one of the straight bars in L.A. that we can actually, like, stand to go into. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the Bordner Cinema, like, those bartenders know what's up. I remember going in once. You can usually catch the Warriors when you're there. Yeah. The Warriors is always on rotation. Barbarella was last there when we were there. And I remember watching a little bit of Brandon Lee's Rapid Fire. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. We were trying yeah. to figure out. What I was trying to Brandon figure it out. Movie. Okay, what is this Brandon Lee movie? And then yeah. we figured out it was Rapid yeah. Fire. But yeah, Love Bordners. Yeah, I remember like it was closed, I think, like at one point, right? And I, it was yeah. during the fe- one of the festivals and people were so heartbroken. And it was, yeah, it was kind of a nice place to hang out and just get away from the festival. But yeah, special place yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Andy Sedaris movies kind of, def- I mean... One of the easiest ways to describe them is just campy. Yeah. Right? Scott, did you have some camp uh, questions for... I mean, I think that just the... Just sort of the evolution for movies like this, and especially when it comes to cult movies, I think is really interesting. Of that, I feel like these movies really came on the cultural radar... I mean, about 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's just really interesting of just how you see cycles of stuff like that. I mean, I think that a lot of it just has to do with streaming and if it's available to stream. If there's platforms like Tubi and they just re-released all of these on Blu-rays. I mean, we watched this just because How Did This Get Made just covered it. Yeah. And it just kind of opened it up to a whole new audience. But this kind of curious of just sort of that kind of cycle with cult films yeah like what kind of stuff do you see that with yeah i mean it's um it's interesting because i also think that they're they're generational too like Mm -hmm. there is an entire generation of kids you know i'm certainly one of them i'm sure you guys are too that was existed in like a cable pre-internet world you know, where there was, like, this was about the sexiest you could get as a kid. Like, you, yeah. sure. there was no, like, Pornhub or x or whatever. It was, like, truly, like, <laughs> you know, unless somebody that you knew paid for the Spice Channel or pl- the Playboy Channel or whatever, you were, you had to watch, like, softcore porn, you know, that was kind yeah. of wrapped up in these, like, action movies or, you know, so, you know, like, I think of, like, some of the canon films that are like kind of like oh, lady yeah. chatterly stuff, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, you know, where it was like, we're going to try to take this like genre film or this kind of historical biopic or whatever, you know, and make it sexy. And that was, right. it was erotica essentially. And I feel like erotica mm-hmm. was for our generation. Cause it's like, it had to be able to play on TV in some way, but it, but it also had to, serve the function of pornography to people in a, in a way. So it's like, I don't know. To me, I feel like that's like what these types of movies are, are that kind yeah. of bridge between, you know, what we experience and like what the new generation experiences, which is like absolute unfettered, like, <laughs> you know, pornography, yeah. even now kind of on HBO type of stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah. sure. you know, I don't know. I mean, you don't, you don't really see movies like this made anymore. I mean, even the really bad B movies that are, I mean, how many movies has Bruce Willis made of just these, these well, army movies? Yeah. There's those weird, like kind of mid 
range. Well, I don't know how their budgets are. I but mean, they're, they're the ones that like Nick Cage. Yeah. will make like six movies and they'll shell out all of this, all of these millions for a main star, and they're maybe in ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like the I mean, uh, stuff like that. The Randall, what's the guy who was the boyfriend of Lala from Vanderpump Rules? He was like a big producer <laughs> of those like direct to video. You know, it would be like Robert De Niro would be like on the cover of it, but he would be in the movie for like yes. five minutes. And it was a way for him to yeah. get paid. It was an easy lift for him, but then it was just trash direct-to-video shit, right? Right, right, yeah. right. And then there's also like there was that wave of uh, who does the the mockbusters? Asylum. Asi- the Asylum and those movies, yes. you know, that have no budget. And those are just kind of boring. Yeah. They're hard to watch. Yeah. Those are boring. And I also they think, too, really like, have... now there's this kind of, like, Lifetime Channel thing happening, too, where they make a lot of those, like, thrillers and they're kind of, like, pre-packaged, like, storylines of, like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, babysitters, like, having affairs with husbands and then sure. m- trying to murder the wives. And it's just, like, it's, like, you know, obviously Lifetime Channel stuff, so it's probably, like, PG-13 at best, but, like, still, like... Cranked out in that kind of like cult movie right, factory right. style, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's it's interesting because of because of the time, because of the eighties and the and the early nineties. You're right that there had to be a way for people to access this stuff. And I think nowadays movies, even even the low budget ones, it's like that's I I don't think sex is something that's part of what they're trying to sell yeah. because no. yeah, maybe we can just get it anywhere else. Like even regular, like, I don't know. There's like, er, there's no erotic thrillers anymore. Like mainstream. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, that's actually and really funny because I, I remember we taught like someone wrote to us on the pot on, I saw what you did and asked us about that. Like, what do mm-hmm. you think if there are any like, you know, modern erotic thrillers and it's just sort of like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like TV is kind of, like it's yeah. taking the place of films at this point. There's a lot yeah. of like yeah. TV that has, or essentially, if if they would give money to people to make erotic thrillers, they would make erotic thriller movies. But instead, they're just like making limited limited series type of sure. stuff. Yeah. So maybe a yeah. little bit of that, but you know, I yeah. don't know. For the most part, there isn't that that kind of like old yeah. school basic instinct movie experience, or yeah. you know. <laughs> Even like a fatal attraction type of thing. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, fatal attraction just came out as the miniseries on on the Paramount Network. Yes. But we watched. Have you seen it? Oh, I was gonna say we, we watched like two episodes it. and we want to finish I en- it. I enjoyed what I watched yeah. of it, and there there are some there are some sex scenes in Ooh. it. Like they're, they're going there. Who so is it? Joshua Jackson from Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Joshua Jackson and, yeah. Lizzie and Lizzie Kaplan. So I just listened to your Father's yeah. Day episode where you talked about Fatal Attraction, yeah. and the daughter character is a significant character on the TV show. Oh, interesting. And they go into kind no of spoilers. No spoilers, go but they go it. into kind of what her experience was during all of those events. Yeah, and it cuts back and forth with. Dan going to prison over the murder of Alex, wow. and he's just getting out. And that's not a spoiler. Yep. That's in the first scene of that's the first in the episode. that's in the very first yeah. like episode. Wow. Um, so they, yeah, it's a, the timeline has shifted in it. But you know, like like you were saying, you know, even in the in the eighties and the nineties, it's like television, even cable television shows. There was like Red Shoe Diaries, and that was yeah. It. 
Like you knew like, ooh, Showtime's got something. Yeah. And that was mm-hmm. the one show. And then other than that, it was you're paying for the Playboy yeah. channel or you're paying for, you know, uh, God, God bless you if you found a uh, if your friends found a box of VHS tapes in the woods. Oh, big, big deal. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a Playboy household, but my dad got Playboy delivered to our house oh, ever since I was a kid. Yeah. So I grew up on the Playboy brand. Okay, got I was it. raised on. Got it. it. Mm-hmm. But you guys didn't get the Playboy Channel, did you? No. no. Well, yeah, and there was always like, I feel like there was all those like this was uh, like an era of like. Those, like, penthouse VHS tapes they would put out, like... I remember there was kind of a famous one with um, Anna Nicole mm-hmm. Smith or something like that. And it was, it'd was it be, like, a VHS tape. And it would be, like, one of the... Like, Anna Nicole Smith being interviewed, intercut with shots of her, like, naked in yeah. a field, like, riding horses yes. or whatever. You know, it would be, like, these mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, erotica... You know, sort of, like, here's a naked lady who's hot and she's, like, living yeah. her life. Type of thing. Here's Shannon Tweed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. It's 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 fun that these movies kind of uh, were there to. I don't know what they were doing. They weren't filling any sort of a void because there was so much of that. And he was wanting to entertain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He was wanting you to have a good time with these stupid movies. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it's cool that within the past decade that you've really seen a resurgence with them too. Yeah. That they've kind of discovered this whole new audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the Blu-ray release and all that. And they look they look decent on Blu-rays. It's not like this wonderful 4K transfer or anything. But it's like for for a Blu-ray of a really low-budget 80s, 80s movie, you know, they look pretty good. So I, think, I feel like we strongly recommend if you can get your hands on the Blu-rays. They're not that expensive. Just, you know, just pick them up. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like we said, they're on Tubi right now, but it's like you got commercials oh, and yeah, all, that, yeah. all that stuff going it's, on. It's really fun to read the letterbox reviews of these movies because there are people <laughs> that have watched all of them. And then they have kind of fun little hot takes of all of these all of these crazy movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, the it's movies. definitely time and place for me. And, you know, like, it's something to be said for, like, an old hornball guy who wants to make, you know, these kind of, like, low-budget TNA movies, but then he gives, like, the women are, are, are also killing people and are a- action stars. Like, that's kind of great. I mean, that's kind of, like, how I feel about the Russ Meyer movies, too, where it's, like, you know... They're like, especially in a movie like Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, it's like, yeah, you got these like oh, hot sure, ladies, yeah. but then they're killing men and they're like fighting yeah. and throwing each <laughs> other on the ground. It's kind of like amazing, right? So that's kind of how I feel. At least with Hard Ticket to Hawaii, I definitely feel like, you know, I love that there's like a, a martial arts expert lady who is just like yeah. greased mm-hmm. up in like Band of Soleil and she's like, you know, <laughs> doing her poses and stuff. It was like, good for that, you know, like. Yeah. Well, you know what, too, that they do? It's a, the, the two leads are these two female leads, and they're action stars, and they're not only fighting other yes. women. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. They're fighting the men, too. Immediate, you know? And they yeah. immediately pass the Bechtel test yeah. as soon as they get in that hot tub <laughs> talking about the diamonds. Yeah. Ah! That's true. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so I guess there's something for everybody uh-huh. in, in this movie. They got the, 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 the drag queens, the beefcake, the, <laughs> the, the cheesecake. It's all there. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, do we have any, anything else that we, that we need to add to uh, our Malibu Express 
our not remember our hard ticket to Hawaii episode. episode. I mean, track down all of the other movies. Yeah. We own Malibu Express and Picasso Trigger. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. The Malibu Express one is kind of like the Magnum PI of his movies, and it's partially set in Los Angeles. Yeah. Sybil Danning's um, in that one, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also Regis and, and um, Regis Philbin's in that one, Malibu Express, right? Oh, shit. He's like, that, there's like a I cameo forgot. by Regis, if I don't, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, we just did Bachelor Party on the show, Nick the Dick, Brett Baxter <laughs> Clark is the driver in that movie. Oh, um, Darby, Darby Hitton, he was another soap star, I believe that he was on Days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Darby Hinton. Yeah. Andy liked his. Andy liked his soap stars. Yep. Hey, they got chops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Check check out the Andy Sedaris extended universe. Yes. Oh, look at that. Joy and Joy and Regis Philbin. Oh, it's Regis as themselves and his wife Joy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, re- I remember right. that from. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Malibu Express, but I remember. I think I remember that. So. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well. Millie, this has been so much fun uh, talking about this oh insane movie with you. I know. I'm, I'm, you blew my mind several times during this episode. <laughs> I had no idea that you were so closely connected to, you know, the resort where they filmed Hard Ticket to Hawaii. That's really special. Um, yeah. I actually, you know, am kind of jealous. I'd be, like, trying to find, like, I know that you said it's basically, like, grown over. But I, I would be, like, trying to find out, like... The toilet that the snake came out of or whatever. You know, I mean, like trying to location scout every fucking scene. Yeah. So we, we need to find Donna and Taryn's Dar- Donna and Taryn's little bungalow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to find exactly where the frisbee scene is. I have a pretty good idea where it is. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna do our, our location scouting yeah. next week and we'll definitely send you some photos. Oh, you have to. We'll put them up on we'll put them up on uh, on on the Instagram listeners so you can so you can check out our 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 hard ticket to hawaii location tour. yeah i fully expect a photograph of you guys taking vitamin supplements at edie's or whatever (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. i need that (laughs) yeah for sure we'll we'll do it we'll do it Oh man, Millie. but I'm I'm glad that there was room in our lineup for hard ticket to hawaii it's kind of a it's kind of a weird poll that i think that most listeners are kind of thinking, like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> but we're expanding I love it. their horizons, mm-hmm. Scott. We're opening their minds to some some true American cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Millie, why don't you talk a little bit about I Saw What You Did podcast and where everyone can find you? Uh, yeah, so we are, um, Danielle and I are, are doing a podcast called I Saw What You Did. It's on the Exactly Right Network. Um, you can find us. Um, at exactlyrightmedia.org. Um, I'm sorry, not .org. Cut. Exactlyrightmedia.com. <laughs> um, we're on Instagram and Twitter. I think it's I Saw Pod. And uh, new episodes come out on Tuesdays. We're thinking about doing a tour, maybe. Yeah. Exciting. Soon we're formulating uh, a plan for that right now. We actually just talked to um, the gals that do. That's messed up, which is the uh, S- the Law and Order SUV podcast, and um, oh, okay. they're they gave us a lot of good practical advice. So we're kind of excited, um, but we're thinking about doing a couple shows. I'm th- I'm sure one's going to be in LA, um, but yeah. So look out for all that, and that's Fun. it. Yeah. 
Awesome. That's so great. Well, like, yeah, again, thank you so much for coming on. We love I Saw What You Did. We love it when you come on the show. Yeah, we love you guys. People still talk about the episode that you were on. So, we <laughs> like, people still talk about property-rich Dracula. Like, we still get, like, property-rich Dracula comments. So, we have to, we definitely have to have you ba- back on because y'all were just such a blast. So... Awesome. That, yeah, that was great. That was that was a lot yeah. of fun. We, we'll definitely take you up yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh, we'll let you go. But uh, thanks again, and um, we'll hope to see you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. I, it's just always a pleasure doing your podcast. So. Oh, you're so welcome. All right, Millie. We'll see you later. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much. Yes, indeed. We are, I mean, at this point, when you're listening to this, we are soaking away under the sun mm-hmm. in Hawaii on lovely Molokai. Throwing frisbees back and, uh, razor frisbees back and forth. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Loading up the bazooka. Taking out drug lords. As we speak. Mm-hmm. Listeners, this was a fun movie, and we strongly recommend you go out and find it. Love the Millie episodes. You know that we are proponents of the physical media, so go and... Buy the disc. But, you know, either way, try and watch it. But, yeah, we love Millie. She's a great friend and she's a great uh, guest on the show. Super, super duper fun. But um, before we get to Patreon shoutouts, we want to talk about... We have an event coming up June 29th, which is going to be very close after this episode comes mm-hmm. out. But we are moderating a Q&A with director Darren Stein for the Dropbreaker Rooftop Cinema screening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun if you're in the L.A. area on Come and June say 29th. Say hello. Come and check it out. The link to the tickets are in our Instagram. You can go to RooftopCinemaClub.com uh, for tickets to see if they're still available. I think they're going pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's going to be a screening. It's in downtown L.A. at the Arts District location, Rooftop Cinema Club. We'll be watching Jawbreaker. And then once the movie ends, we're going to be moderating a Q&A with Darren Stein. Yeah. We love Darren. He's been on the show. He did our Terms of Endearment mm-hmm. episode. And it's going to be fun to talk to him about the movie. I love Jawbreaker. Yeah, we covered Jawbreaker with Thomas Decker. Very formulative movie when I was a when I was young. Uh, for, mm-hmm. Formative. Formative, absolutely. excuse me. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. It's a it's a fun movie. It's super camp. It's super gay. And, um, yeah, it's for Pride Month at uh, Rooftop Cinema Club. Mm -hmm. So that's coming up. And be sure to check back. There might be some more similar events coming up in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, now that that's out of the way, I think it's that time. For Patreon shout-outs. For Patreon shout-outs. Let's hear them. We've got a new patron um, joining us uh, as uh, a patron over on Patreon.com is Jake Desiree. Adam, Chris, Andrew, Laura, Thomas, Brenna, Jessica Rabbit, Lawrence, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jamel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Muffy, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emma, Millie, Aaron, Jessica, John, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and also Rufino. You guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. We are smack dab in the middle of RuPaul's Drag Race recaps. We're going to be doing a recap in Hawaii. 
We're not taking a week off. We're going to do one there. It's going to be fun. Yes, there's going to be a Friday episode while we're here in Hawaii. We're going to watch it. We're going to record a uh, commentary or a a recap and and post it over on the Patreon. $5 and above. And you can listen to each and every recap for Drag Race All-Star Season 8 as well as 30-plus uh, watch with us commentary tracks where we do alternate commentaries to over 30 movies. We did a fun one this month. We did Tu Wong Fu and Thanks for Everything. Yes, we did. So that's uh, an episode that we have not got, or a movie that we have not gotten to on the show. No, and not yet. Patreons are getting it as a commentary, as yes. a little special Pride June treat. Absolutely. So check over there. You should uh, already be able to download uh, Tu Wong Fu to listen to that commentary. You can. We give you instructions on how to sync it up with the movie. If you have the movie in your catalog or if it's streaming somewhere, we give you instructions on how to sync it up mm-hmm. and play the commentary so it's going as the movie's playing. Or you can just listen to it as a bonus episode. They you can listen well to it in your car. Either way. Why not? So uh, head over to Patreon for that. We'd also love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Give us some five stars. Yes, indeed. We'd love to see that. If you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. And if you are on Apple Podcasts specifically, we'd love it if you'd write a review. We haven't had a review in a while, so we'd like to we'd love to read one. Read a new one on an upcoming episode. So check uh, check that out. We're on pretty much every social media platform you can think of on Instagram and Facebook. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay, and on Twitter at MTMUG Pod. Indeed. If you'd like to follow our personals, feel free. My name is Pete. I'm at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and Twitter. Scott Gungballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Absolutely. Uh, This was a a blast as always. Uh, Until next week. Aloha. Aloha.